Welcome to the Heal Podcast, where we believe God heals people in the way that brings Him the most glory and brings us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique, but pain is our common language. Hey y'all, welcome to the Heal Podcast. My name is Tara Bradham Denai. I get to be your host today and every time on this podcast, and I am so glad that you are here today. We have a guest on the show today, Katerina, and I thought one of the best ways to introduce you to her would be to share some of her writing. So she has a blog, and this is a piece that she wrote that she just happened to put in her journal. And so I didn't tell her I was going to be leading with this, but I think this will show you how much she can relate to you in your pain. So this is Chronic Pain by Katerina. Chronic pain is the endless amount of no relief. It's the sharp, burning, tingling, or ache that continues through the day. There are sleepless nights and worries for the future and having to face the day in an unknown state. Even as chronic pain is all of these things, it's learning to accept the pain, trusting in God, and moving forward that helps a person to make it through. Well, today on the show, Katerina shares with us how she has learned to accept the pain and trust in God and move forward after being diagnosed with CMT, a progressive degenerative disease, when she was just 18 years old. I think you guys are going to relate to Katerina a lot on the things that she goes through and struggles with and her growth on this journey through pain with Jesus. So here today to share her story with us is Katerina. Katarina, we were just saying that I have kind of known you, messaged you. This is our first one-on-one conversation, but for about a year. So I'm excited that everyone else on the podcast will get to know you a little bit as well. And I'll get to know you even better. So welcome to the Heal Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So you say that you listen to some of the episodes. So you know we have a wide variety of people and life stages and everything on the show. So will you tell people a little bit about how old you are, if you're willing to share that, what your current life stage is, what's going on so they can kind of get a grasp at the voice that they're hearing. Yeah, so I'm 22 and I live with my family in Southern California and currently I'm mostly a college student and I do teach dance. So what are you studying for college? I'm studying psychology. Mm Mm-hmm. Nope, I'm not going to go into the Enneagram. I was like, oh, I want to ask you questions about it, but I will not. I will refrain. And what do you teach online? Are you teaching dances, dance online or something else? Yeah, so with one of my jobs, I work with adults with intellectual disabilities. So I started doing it in person last year, and now I'm online, and I teach dance and sign language and creative writing. So that's what I mostly do. And then I also teach with a Christian dance studio, Mm -hmm. and I teach worship ballet. So I incorporate some sign language in there as well. That's awesome. So are you fluent in sign language? I usually say I'm not. Friends of mine say I am, but I studied it mostly with community college. So I took four classes and did really well. Okay. But I I wouldn't say I'm fluent in them. Yeah. But is that one of your passions? I'm not sure I knew that you did that. Yeah. Yeah. I really love doing sign language. 
And actually at my college, I'm the president of the American Sign Language Club, which we started this semester with a friend of mine. And wow. so that's been really fun. Yeah. I practice signing with one of my sisters who is also learning sign language. Awesome. Well, usually when people speak another language, I would have them say something in that language, but that uh, wouldn't be very helpful since it is visual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did German in high school, but I don't really remember anything from that. Yeah, I'm more of a visual person, so American Sign Language is a yeah easier for me to remember than yeah. remembering how to pronounce something. I know in second or third grade, maybe second, I did a speech. I was Helen Keller, and you had to pretend to be the person. And I, I don't know how long it was, but it was probably seemed like forever to my second grade mind and it was probably a few sentences in sign language but Hmm. that's all I got for you but okay tell us how you developed your passion for dance that's a story that I don't know I know you're really passionate about it but when did that begin yeah so I started doing ballet when I was around five six my mom just signed us my sister and I one of my sisters and I quickly loved it right away And I even told my mom after one of the first few classes, I can't remember which one, that I wanted to be a dance teacher when I was older. Wow. And I was dancing at a Christian dance studio. So for me, it was like all about worshiping God through movement. Mm. And so I wanted other kids to learn that as well. And so I kind of just started doing ballet around high school age. I started doing other styles, modern and jazz I tried hip hop mm-hmm. and I, I did a little bit of tap before my chronic pain. So I've kind of experienced a little bit of everything. What's your favorite? My favorite growing up was ballet. I, mm-hmm. I like more of contemporary. So it's a little bit outside of the classical ballet. And then I am curious, have you thought about, you said I really enjoyed movement of my body as worship to God. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people, we view worship as we go to church and we sing songs, or maybe, you know, our really creative version of worship is that we're singing along to a Christian song on the radio or something, but that's pretty much most of our views Mm -hmm. of worship. So how has movement been worshiped here? What does that practically look like? What do you feel when you say that you worship through movement of your body? Yeah, it's for me, it's usually through the expression I'm very expressive when I dance. I do a lot of movement, mostly with my arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say that when I'm dancing to worship songs, that's where I really feel closer and connected with God mm-hmm. through that. So for me, I do love going to church and singing songs, but dance has always kind of been part of me. Mm-hmm. And so I really enjoy connecting both of that. Yeah. Do you feel like it helps you express things that sometimes you can't even verbalize? Yeah. Especially as a child, I was really quiet when I was little. Mm. And so that's kind of when I started doing dance, I'm like, oh, I can use it as a way of speaking Mm -hmm. instead of using words as I can express how I'm feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You sent me, I've seen one video of you dancing. Remind me what it was for. Was it for diamonds? I think the video I sent you, I was just improving. Okay. So it wasn't for anything. I just started sharing it with different people. Okay. But I should send you some of the dances that I've choreographed. That's another thing. I really love creating dances. Yeah. For multiple people. Yeah. 
So I'm really passionate about that for the past four or five years, I think. I can't remember how many, Okay, but I'll send you some of those dances. Yeah, I would love that. The one that you sent me was really beautiful. And maybe, I don't know if you'd want to share it with people. That's probably not. But I was like, I wish people could see you dancing because it's yeah. so hard to picture that in, yeah, in our minds. Yeah. I, I've been meaning to do one for either my Instagram or my blog or both. Okay, so maybe we'll see it. What is your opinion on something like Dancing with the Stars if you like choreographing dancing? Is that amazing? It's amazing to me. Is that amazing to you or is it like, ah, whatever? I actually, I don't think I've ever seen Dancing with the Stars. Okay. It's it's really funny because a lot of my friends assume because I'm a dancer, oh, you've seen this movie, you've seen this show. And I'm like, no, I actually haven't. Yeah. I think it depends on, there's a lot of things with with the world's point of view with dance mm. that I don't, I just can't always watch. Okay. Can you elaborate? Yeah. I think it's more of, for me, the movement has always been a form of worship for God. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, a lot with different dance studios that some of the movement is not, even if it's not for God or for a purpose for like that, it's just sometimes I th- see things and I'm like, I just, I couldn't move in that way because it's not always like appropriate. How, how it's sexualized and stuff like that. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's how I would say. But I think I've seen a couple videos with Dancing with the Stars, and I was just amazed at how quickly they can move. Yeah, because I'm like, I couldn't do that. Yeah, cool. I've only seen it a few times, but they really have to plan, and a lot of people don't have a background in dance. So the uh-huh. instructor is teaching them how to do all these crazy dances. And yeah. because that's not my element, it seems very amazing to me to think about it choreographing is. a dance. Yeah. I took dance lessons with my dad for like our father daughter dance at my wedding. Uh-huh. <laughs> my uh-huh. husband loves to dance, which is fun. Yeah. We actually met. I don't know if you know that Jacob and I met because he asked me to dance at a wedding. Really? Oh, yes. And I had sat down and he walked up to me, asked me to dance, and I was stunned by how direct he was. And I didn't even have a response out of my mouth. Uh-huh. And the groom's sister pushed me out of the chair and she was like, yeah, she does. Uh-huh. And I get up and I'm sitting there and like, I was like, I don't know how to dance. And he's like, it's okay, I'll teach you. And then we're like dancing before I know it. And I'm like, how did this just yeah. happen? <laughs> well, that makes me think of, I've been learning how to swing dance. Ooh, fun. Yeah, since a little bit since last fall, some of my friends that are siblings, they do a lot of swing dance. And so I've been learning from them and it's really fun. Before I was like, oh, I'm not, I wouldn't really necessarily dance in that way. But now I'm like, oh, swing dance, I'm all for that. It's really fun. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's probably like the only kind I really know. Okay. Well, your passion for dance, I know has changed a lot recently. So tell us a little bit about your journey. I don't know if you want to start at the beginning or just tell us what is going on currently with CMT and how has that affected your love of dance? Yeah. So I guess I should go back to when I started having chronic pain. That sounds great. So during my last year of high school, I started having nerve pain in my feet. So it was like a tingling sensation. Mm-hmm. And it was mostly my right foot. So I thought at that time, I thought it had to do with my back because I have mild scoliosis. So I'm like, oh, back problems. Oh, it's going to my feet. But when I started having it in both feet, I'm like, okay, I don't think that's normal. Yeah. And that pain kind of went from just nerve pain to the point of I wasn't really able to stand. Mm. 
for long periods of time. And so, of course, going to dance was a challenge. I would sit most of the classes I was in. And then I also started having more fatigue. So I actually have had fatigue since I was 13. Mm -hmm. And at that time, the doctors had no idea what was going on. We did different, I did different blood work and tests and they're like, oh, everything's coming back negative. And they're like, ah, you're just a growing teenager. Yeah. Well, they're like, oh, we think you're depressed. Mm. That was one of the responses I got when I was, after a couple months of having a lot of fatigue, I remember seeing a doctor and she's pulled me aside and was like, I think you're just depressed. Mm. I'm thinking, well, yeah, part of me is feeling depressed now because I can't really go anywhere. I can't go to dance. I could barely do school. But those are like causing it rather than the other way around yeah so you know they thought I had mono there was different things like we think you have this and then there wasn't an answer because at that point no one in my family was diagnosed with CMT we Mm -hmm. never even heard of it so it it made sense that they didn't know what was going on and it is genetic yeah it is it's interesting after that I started to get better a little bit with the fatigue and never fully went away but I was to the point where I was able to do things again so I was, started doing more dance and mm-hmm. was involved more with my church and other things like that so I was better but not like completely better mm-hmm. and actually from people in my family my siblings are when we were finding out about the CMT, everyone thought I was the one who didn't have it. Mm. So when I was diagnosed with it, it was a complete shock to everyone. Okay, so how many siblings do you have? I have three. And they all have it? Yes. Okay. But at that point, only one of my siblings was diagnosed. You seemed to be functioning better, so they thought you didn't have it. Yeah, because when my older brother was diagnosed, it was kind of like, oh, he has this. And then we started realizing my other siblings had it. Mm-hmm. They weren't diagnosed, though. I was the second person diagnosed officially. Okay. But when I found out, I was not expecting it at all. Really? Yeah, I kind of told myself, oh, I don't have this. I don't have CMT. I'm fine. Mm. So when I heard the words, oh, you have CMT, then I'm like, I, yeah. How old were you with diagnosis? I was told when I was 17, but then I like had an official diagnosis when I was 18. Okay. Right before I graduated from high school. Okay. For some people, because I didn't know what this was before meeting you, and then we'll jump back into your story. Mm -hmm. But what is CMT for people who don't know? So CMT stands for Charcot-Marie Tooth Disease, and basically what it is, it's a neuromuscular disease, so it affects the peripheral nerves mostly, and the hands and the feet of the nerves are kind of slowly deteriorating, so losing sensation, hands and the feet, and then the muscles are atrophying. But for this, it kind of affects everyone differently, hmm. and it's also progressive, so it does get worse over time. Mm-hmm. What I read, though, is it is not usually fatal. Like, it doesn't, it's not like MS, but it's kind of, I can see people kind of relating it to MS in their minds. Yeah, I've heard it's kind of like, it's just as common as MS or more, but it's something where most people have never even heard about. Mm -hmm. The name comes from the doctors that discovered it. Because some people, when they hear it, I usually say, oh, I have a near muscular disease. And then I go into what the name is. Because it sounds like a tooth disease. It does. And it doesn't have anything to do with your teeth. So is that the doctor's name was tooth? Yes. Oh, okay. Interesting. That is very confusing. Yeah, it is. And so... It's more common than people think. It's still rare. I think depending on the type, the type that my family has is actually really rare. Hmm. Yeah, it just has an unusual name. Yeah. 
So your does one of your parents have it or take us back through I don't know where you were to on, on your journey telling yeah. us what was going on, but take us back. Basically when I was diagnosed, well, right before getting the official diagnosis, when a doctor told me, Oh, you have CMT, it was because he noticed there was weakness in my feet and my ankles. Mm-hmm. Was part of it, which to be honest was a complete shock, and I didn't believe him because at that point I was right before having a lot more pain. I was dancing like 20 plus hours a week. Wow. So I'm like, how can you tell me that there's problems with my feet when I'm constantly moving and Mm -hmm. strengthening my feet and doing anything I can to get stronger? I was thinking, oh, it's because we mentioned it, it's in my family and so I didn't really actually have a lot of the symptoms at that point other than the nerve pain and the fatigue until it started getting worse. So you got the diagnosis when your symptoms were pretty mild. Yeah. I felt like a lot for me. I felt like the pain was really bad. But now Mm -hmm. that I think about it now, I'm like, "Uh, I didn't really have that much pain. Hmm. So what was going through your mind when you said it was a lot to take in when you were saying, oh, no, of course I don't have this. And then you get told you do have it. What did coming to terms with that look like for you? I ended up getting really depressed, which I've dealt with depression before, but I was to the point where I'm like, I just didn't feel like I could do anything Mm -hmm. because I knew how bad this disease can get because I've seen it in my family. And I'm like, you know, having then finding out, oh, you have a physical disability because with this, it, you know, continues to progress. So there's challenges day to day and just didn't know what to do with my life at all. I knew I wanted to do college, but I'm like, well, I can't go into teaching. I want to be a school teacher. I'm like, I just don't think that's possible for me. So I had just a lot of unknowns and I I didn't really understand how to cope with it because I was really close to before graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're pretty young getting a diagnosis as well. And maybe that adds to the overwhelm too, with thinking you have your whole life left to live and thinking, oh my gosh, how much can this progress? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which of your parents have it or is that who you've seen with worse symptoms or who was that? We were diagnosed with a certain type that meant it came from like one side of my, like we were guessing my mom's side of the family. Uh We're like, oh, it came from that side of the family. But we actually found out looking at the results, my mom discovered that we actually have a recessive type of CMT. So basically there's a gene from both my parents and then they had each one of us. But the part that's really a little hard to believe still, it's, we're still shocked with it is with our type, it actually should only be one of us. See, and then all four of us have it. Hmm. Like statistically? Percentage, right? Yes, there's only like a 25% chance, and like one should have it, two should carry the gene, and then one shouldn't have it like anything at all. Mm. And you all fell in the 25%. Yeah, so we all have it, which it's still a lot to take in. Yeah. What has your journey with God looked like through that? Mm -hmm. Like, have you asked a lot of the why questions or what does that look like for you? Yeah, I really think that I did at first because I just didn't see why God would give me such a love for dance and such a love for working with kids and to be like, oh, okay, now I have this, you know, genetic disease that I've always had. I just didn't know. And now I'm dealing with a lot of chronic pain and other symptoms and it's getting worse. I was just more of like, why is it 
happening now? Why couldn't I've, you know, grown up with knowing or Mm -hmm. I think finding out right before the end of high school can feel really hard compared to maybe later in life or earlier knowing for quite a few years. You know, I've kind of questioned God more of like the timing on finding out not as much of like, why are you doing this? Because I don't believe it's he's purposely right. giving me pain. Right. But the the timing meaning just because you are in a transition of your life where your dreams yeah. are about to take off and then you find out right then. Is that why? Yeah. That was mostly at first. It was kind of like, why? Why now? Mm-hmm. I'm about to, you know, do this next step, graduating from high school, going, doing college, whatever that looks like. And finding out something that's, you know, progressive. Yeah. I think that was the hardest part for me. Yeah. It was like, oh, I know it's going to get a lot worse. Mm-hmm. What has God taught you? So that was probably four or five years ago now, right? Four. Yeah. Four years ago. So, I mean, I know that you're still, that's a, quite a bit of time in some ways and not that much time in other ways. It probably mm-hmm. goes back and forth depending on the day, which you feel like, but what has God taught you? In those four years, I mean, are you in the same place now as when you got the diagnosis or have you seen redemption? Where where are you now spiritually compared to then when you got that diagnosis? Mm -hmm. And not saying that you're perfect either. (laughs) We don't expect that. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, definitely not perfect. I would say I'm a lot better place than I was four years ago because my faith has grown so much. I, you know, I reached the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to be living in pain. And, you know, I just don't think I can continue going where I was at, you know, with everything with the depression and all that. And I've just, you know, I'm now where I continue to rely on God's strength every day because mm-hmm. I don't have that strength at all, especially dealing with a lot of weakness and my muscles and everything. So Faith-wise, I've it's grown more, or I'm continuing to look to God more through prayer, through reading scripture, through being around others who are really strong in their faith, mm-hmm. and that's really helped me. Yeah. Will you tell us what your symptoms look like, mm-hmm. let's say, today? So before we hit record, you were telling me that you're really tired, that you changed the pain medication, but yeah. what are some of the symptoms that you have currently and then... First, let's go current. Current. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, right now I'm actually having nerve pain in my feet. Mm. So it's like this sharp stabbing sensation is how I describe it. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, I'm mostly dealing with pain in my hands and wrists a little bit, which is normal. And then I guess a lot of fatigue. <laughs> I'm really tired, but yeah. Those are mostly the symptoms that I'm having right at this moment. Mm -hmm. And then do they change day to day? Are there other ones like on a weekly, monthly basis that you also deal with? Yeah, I've just kind of learned every day is a little bit different. Sometimes my pain is really bad and other days it's my fatigue's really bad. I still have both, Mm -hmm. but I deal with a lot of pain also in my legs and my arms and also like my Achilles get tight really easily. My joints hurt. So there's a lot of, you know, there's nerve pain and then like muscle pain and cramping in my muscles. And, but then, you know, I get other symptoms because of a pain medication I take to help lower the amounts of pain. Mm -hmm. 
So I get dizziness and really bad headaches and drowsiness and yeah, all that. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. I think that just gives people a picture of what day-to-day life can look like. And then I'm curious if you're willing to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. because you are so young and you're saying this is progressive, it could get worse. What are some of the fears that you have faced looking towards the future Mm -hmm. with CMT? So for me, more recently, I started using a wheelchair. It's not day-to-day. It is mostly on my college campus, which is really a really small campus compared to most. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was reaching the point where my pain was a lot worse and I was just really fatigued. So I have an electric wheelchair I use, which I really like. It's nice. But for me, that was that was a fear I had around the time, even before I was diagnosed, is more of seeing that. Like for me, I was like, I don't want my siblings, like my older brother, to get to the point where he has to be in a wheelchair. Like that was hard for me to cope with that it could happen. Mm -hmm. So when I was diagnosed, I'm like, that's one thing I'd never pictured this early on. Yeah. Even though it's helped me, but it's still kind of hard because it's like, it makes that disability feel real. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's something where I have an illness that's kind of invisible. Most people notice it. You can't really tell I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. But that was, you know, that was one of the hardest things. I also wear leg braces. Mm -hmm every day whenever I leave my home, which is hard. But for me, you getting to the point of having to use a wheelchair. Yeah. And for me thinking, oh, when I go into my career someday, because I wanna be a child life specialist where I'd be working with kids in hospitals. Awesome. And that's where I feel God is leading me towards. But at the same time I'm like, by that point, I probably will have to be in a wheelchair when I work. Mm. And that's it's hard to think of being so young. But that's one of the I'm a little bit more afraid towards the future is being like, oh, yeah. I'm going to have to use it more. Is it the limitation of it or the way that people view you in it or both? A little bit of both. I just know from personal experience with my leg braces, especially it's my muscles have continued to get weaker. Mm-hmm. And that's something where I was trying to not get to that point where I'm like, oh, I have to wear these to walk yeah. or to drive or anything like that. And then I feel like with the wheelchair, oh, if I continue using it more, you know, I'm going to continue getting weaker. That's the one thing about CMT. It's like if I do too much, I'm in more pain. But if I don't do enough, it's going to continue progressing even more. Yeah. And then, of course, what other people view me as. I'm working towards that. I experienced some of that, at least in my semester, this semester with college. Mm-hmm. And using a wheelchair part of the week and other people viewing me differently I don't want people just to see, oh, she's someone with a disability. Right. Of course. Is it, there are things that people have said to you or is it the way that they look at you or what is that like from your perspective? Yeah, I would say it's mostly what, how people looked at me. Like I've never really had anyone say like, oh, you know, what's wrong with you or anything like that. Mm -hmm. If it was a close friend, they would ask like, oh, is everything okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Because they realized I was in a wheelchair. And at that point, I wasn't even thinking of, oh, yeah, I'm sitting in a wheelchair right now. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm doing okay. And then later I realized, oh, wait, I'm in a wheelchair. Because you use it sometimes and then sometimes don't. Yeah. I only used it twice a week on the busier days. Mm -hmm. But I did notice at least at the first few weeks of using it, there were some people in my classes that looked at me differently. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, they talked to me before. 
And then on those days I wasn't using a wheelchair, it felt like more people were talking to me. Yeah. So I kind of viewed it as a negative, like, oh, because I'm in a wheelchair, people are really uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. they don't want to talk to me anymore. Yeah. But yeah, for someone who has never really used a wheelchair before, when you're around people you see day to day, for me, I'm like, at least I feel like it's natural to be viewed differently. Yeah. What do you do with God or what do you say to God or how does God sustain you when you look to the future and fear some of these things like fear the progressiveness of the disease or fear how people are going to view you differently? How do you work through that with God? For me more lately, I've been just spending more time in prayer and just talking to him and being like, I don't understand why it has to, it's been getting this bad because mm-hmm. my CMT has really progressed really quickly. Yeah. I went from doing a lot of walking now to like having to use a wheelchair sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm more of my prayer now is more like, okay, I'm living life completely differently than I would have expected, but more of like, how can you use me in different ways. That's been more of my prayer and stuff. Like, why you're, mm. why is this happening? I don't understand how the future is going to look like because I feel like no one, no one knows. Right. It's very uncertain for anyone. Mm-hmm. We're just under the illusion that we can't control it sometimes. Right. I know. Yeah. yeah. For me, like, oh, I want to control how things are going to happen. No, that's not. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Because only God knows. Mm-hmm. That's really good. What would you say to people or what would you want them to know? How would you want people to act around you? Like specifically when you're in a wheelchair? Yeah. This is something I've been at least talking with my family about or telling close friends is please just approach me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would rather have people ask me, why am I in a wheelchair? than look at me differently and walk away. Cause that feels like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I know you saw me like in a way it feels like I don't matter. And that's from my personal experience. Everyone's different. I feel like with CMT or with a physical disability, some people are like, oh, I don't, I would rather them not ask about why I'm in a wheelchair. Yeah. For me, I'm like, please just ask. So for those of us who would be in that situation, though, that's kind of hard when some people don't want us to ask and some people do. So what do we do with that? Well, I would say going up and be like, is it okay if I ask about this? And they might be like, I'd rather not talk about it. And that's fine. You just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And not being offended if that's what they say. Yeah. Or I saw this video one point and it was really great about how like going up to someone saying, oh, my name is this. And then, you know, kind of starting a conversation and then maybe asking about it, like in a way that's hmm. kind. So not just putting the whole focus on, oh, you're in a wheelchair, but more of like, like, I'm going to tell you a little about myself and yeah, or like, I'd like to get to know you or something like that just be nice and kind and okay if they don't want to share because mm-hmm. I have friends and I know people that would not feel comfortable if someone asks them but for me I'm like yeah I don't I don't mind that's one thing I really love about children mm. is they will ask about why I'm wearing leg braces they're like oh what are those things on your legs and their mm-hmm. parents are like don't ask about them I'm like oh it's fine I don't mind sharing Oh my gosh, I know. I'm to the point in pregnancy where I'm, I think it's obvious now, but it I was not for a long time, but it was just a little bump. Yeah. And I've been subbing in elementary schools and it was uh-huh. a kindergartner was the first person who commented on anything. And she goes, do you have a baby inside your stomach? Oh. <laughs> it's like, yes, I do. Yeah. But I love that 
it was a kindergartner, of course, who was the first person. Because some people are probably like, ah, she might be. I don't want to ask. Yeah. And got to hand it to the kids. Yeah. I I love how honest kids are. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Like, I don't mind sharing. Mm -hmm. So, in going forward in that, I know that you also talked about just when we were on the college topic. I was reading your blog, which is really good, and people can check that out. But you talked about just some unexpected things coming your way as far as I think there was a lecture on nerve pain and you weren't prepared for it or warned for it. And that really brought up a strong emotional response. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, because I'm studying psychology and one of my classes this past semester was mostly on, well, some of the topics, I guess, the first few weeks of the semester were talking about like, oh, the nervous system, oh, this, and like different parts of the body, and then kind of discussing about an illness, maybe there might be something that's brought up. And for me, I actually was not expecting that at all. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're talking about anatomy. But like, I didn't think in my head that, oh, we're going to be mentioning about different illnesses. And so one of the first weeks of the semester, you know, I was in class and then my professor showed us this video. I can't think of what chronic illness it was, but it was something that was progressive. There was someone from my class that was, you know, like mentioning, oh, you know, this is horrible that's happening to that person. You know, he went from being healthy to now he's, you know, in a wheelchair, he can't really talk. And it was, you know, some chronic illness that was fatal, Mm -hmm. but it's like a disease that was fatal. So like for me, I can't relate in that way because I know... I'm not going to die from my illness. Mm-hmm. I think it was just hearing the comments from some of the people in my classes. At first thing, it was just unfair, mm-hmm. which, you know, I get it. If you see a video of someone who has a, you know, an illness, it's like, oh, that's unfair. That's happening to that person. Yeah. It's a normal human reaction, I feel like, to anything yeah, you didn't do sure. with pain, right? Mm-hmm. And But then there was someone who mentioned something about, now this was the comment that was really hard. Someone mentioned something about like, oh, if that was me, I don't think. I can continue living. And so for me, watching a video of something that was some form of chronic illness that was progressive and had different symptoms, some of the symptoms I experience daily, some of it, I don't. Mm -hmm. So that was really hard. And for some reason, that part of the class, like my brain, for some reason, did not remember that comment until later when I was talking to that professor saying that class was really hard to go to. Mm -hmm. And she mentioned that comment again. And then it all that memory came back. Mm. Like you kind of blocked it out. I did. Yeah. I've been having a lot of brain fog for quite a few months. And so like, I'll forget certain things and remember other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was kind of a difficult situation because I was sitting in the front mm-hmm. and I have a friend who normally is next to me, but she was missing that class for some reason. And Everyone else is behind me, but I'm like sitting in the front. I just, I put my head down and like I started crying because I didn't know what what else to do. Were you in a wheelchair occasionally at this point or not? No, I wasn't actually. I didn't get- They probably had no idea that you had anything. No, my friend was the only one that knew and she wasn't there that day. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone else knew. I don't remember ever mentioning in class. And so for me, I was just like, I can't. I can't come. So I had, I had a lot of anxiety after that, for that class mm-hmm. for about two months, every time I went to class, because I was like, oh, they're going to be talking about this again. Yeah. And we did discuss about other illnesses. And it was hard. One of the other classes we did, we were on Zoom. I was on campus because I had another class later. So I was just 
listening to myself because mm-hmm. everyone else was either from the dorm or from home. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about another disease. I can't remember what it was, but something about but like, oh, it's progressive, degenerative, and no cure. And that's like the three words I think of when I, mm-hmm. part of what I think about with CMT. Yeah. And I had a lot of classes where I was just crying. Mm-hmm. And that became really hard for me. And it wasn't about the chronic illness per se. It was more of the reactions from the people in my classes and how they mm-hmm. would see it. They're like, oh, that's horrible. Or I'm like, oh, you know, I I couldn't do that. I couldn't continue on if that was me. Mm-hmm. And then there's someone like me who's living that daily, yeah. right? I mean, does it make you question like, oh, should I be feeling that way? Or is there hurt from, wow, why people think that my life isn't worth living or have you processed like what are the emotions beneath that? I'm sure there are many. Yeah, I think it's more of hurt. And it also makes me, you know, feel really sad that that's how they view people who, you know, live with chronic pain. Mm -hmm. Like at that point, before I got my wheelchair, then when I started using my wheelchair, I started sharing, then people seem to like realize, oh, someone with chronic pain is able to continue moving forward. Mm -hmm. But for me at that point, I just wanted to hide. I was almost just ashamed to go to classes, be like, oh, they're talking about these different chronic illnesses and pain mm-hmm. and what goes wrong if with one part of the body not working correctly. And I did talk to my professor who's very understanding and she helped me know ahead of time about what we were going to talk about in class. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, if I need to miss, which I never missed any classes, I don't think mm-hmm. the anxiety kind of started not getting as bad. Yeah. Because I knew what to expect. Yeah. That's good. I mean, that's some helpful tips for people if they find themselves in that situation, I think. Yeah. I had a guest on recently, Social Dixon, who said something that I actually got up this morning and I was just praying a little bit before I put my feet on the floor and I was just exhausted and I've just been having random pregnancy things, but I was like, God, like if I am struggling this much just in pregnancy, I'm very concerned with the sleep deprivation that will come from an infant because Mm -hmm. I have always slept a lot and I really need sleep and I do not function well without sleep. Mm -hmm. And so I know this is like a minor thing on, on our conversation scale, but that's just what I was thinking about. And I was like, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like I know millions of people have done it. So I will. And he just whispered what social had said, which she was like, when we look at people and we say, you know, I could never do that. Like these people Mm -hmm. were saying, yeah, it's because we haven't been given the grace for that journey yet. Mm. And I thought that was so good. I've been thinking about that all morning because there are just certain things that I'm like, well, you know, like, how am I going to keep running a ministry with an infant or mm-hmm. different things? Or people will tell me, and, and they were well-meaning, but just people at my community group, I wore a tank top because it was warm weather and they had never seen my big scar on my shoulder before. And they were like, oh, wow, like, you know, what what really happened? And, oh, like, how are you going to carry your kids and stuff, you know, if you've had that much of a surgery? And to be honest, like, yeah, I mean, I have, I look at moms carrying like their two, two or three-year-olds who are, or some carrying their like seven-year-olds. And I'm like, gosh, like, I, ooh, I don't know if I can do that. But I'm like, the thing is, is like, yeah, I might need to go to the chiropractor more or do whatever, but I'm like, there will be grace for that when I get to that stage and the journey. And so I think that would be my 
comment and our encouragement and what I want to instill in people in these conversations and maybe like with your classmates. And I don't know if it's a Christian school or if Mm -hmm. people are not Christians at all. Either way, we can bring that perspective of like, this is my perspective as a Christian and saying like, yeah, people's lives are worth living. And if you face that, like God will give you the grace for that then. Yeah. But you're probably not going to be given the grace for that when you're not even close to that journey. Yeah. But he does give us the grace and the moment to go through that mm-hmm. each day. Yeah, I really, I really like that. And part of what has really helped me towards the end of my semester is I started getting these opportunities to share because mm-hmm. I went from doing a lot of walking to like, you know, no one really would know mm-hmm. I was in pain than to using a wheelchair. And I would have different people ask me about it. And one of the opportunities I had, which I really was like, I'm going to go for it because I feel like this is what God wants me to do, Mm -hmm. is they've been doing these short filmings, students sharing part of their stories. Cool. And then they would share it during chapel because I do go to a Christian university. And, you know, not everyone's a Christian, but everyone attends chapel. Mm -hmm. So they did a filming for mine. I think it was, it was actually right before I started using wheelchair and then it wasn't played until like April. Mm -hmm. And... At that point, I was using my wheelchair a couple times a week mm-hmm. and they played the video and I had, you know, different people that never even talked to me before come up to me and said, like, your story was so encouraging mm-hmm. because I was sharing kind of going from being healthy to like living with chronic pain and having a physical disability, Yeah, but seeing how God's used all of that. And then the Lord also gave me an opportunity to share in one of my classes. I was in an education class, even though I'm not an education major, but it's for an elective. And it was on about teaching and working with kids. I was using my wheelchair to get to that class. So I asked my professor if it would be okay if I stood in front of the class and just kind of shared a little bit about why I'm using a wheelchair. Because that was one of the classes where I noticed some people stopped talking to me. Mm. Or like seeing that I'm there, even though, you know, I would see that they looked at me, but then... Mm-hmm. Maybe they just weren't sure what to say. And now I understand that. Yeah. But I went from the class and I shared and wow. it completely changed it where I had people that started, not only started talking to me, but like, oh, can I help you with this? Or like, let me move this chair for you. Things like that. Mm. And so that really, I feel like it just helped people to see that I'm someone who experiences chronic pain, but I'm still continuing to go to classes and continuing mm-hmm. to learn and do look towards the future. Cause I know there's something there for me. God has something in mind. Yeah. That's really brave though. I was that nerve wracking to do that. If it was a couple years ago, there's no way, mm-hmm. there's no way I would have gone from the class because I used to be really self-conscious of other people noticing I had leg braces or anything different. Mm-hmm. But I would say when I, I started doing different opportunities to speak, it just became something that's just natural and normal. Mm-hmm. Like I consider it one of a normal part of me is sharing. And so going in front of the class, I was thinking, oh, I can do that. Yeah, I'm good because I have God there with me. Do you think God has changed your identity to give you more security in that over the past few years? I would say so. Yeah. The past, I say the past few years, kind of around everything with COVID, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of it changed things for me. But then like I had all of these new opportunities that started coming up. Mm-hmm. I think once I continue just to look to God every day, that's where I didn't feel as afraid because like I shared earlier, I grew up really quiet. Mm-hmm. So my fear actually as a kid was anything to do with public speaking. Mm-hmm. 
I was actually terrified of public speaking as well. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought, oh, dance is going to be a part of me and working with kids mm-hmm. and things like that. But I never pictured myself doing anything to do with public speaking. Yeah. And so once those opportunities started coming and I started to get used to it, you're like, why, why am I afraid? Because I'm talking about something I'm very passionate about, which is mm-hmm. bringing awareness to those who have chronic pain or some form of physical disability. And so I was not scared at all mm-hmm. because for me, like I'd rather have those in my classes know than just to not talk to me at all because I'm sitting in a wheelchair. Yeah. How would you encourage someone today who is regardless of their age, just they still feel that I don't, I don't want to share with people or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I can't share with someone because I am at home and the stairs and stuff I get are people at the grocery store. It's not like I can just mm-hmm. announce over the microphone at the grocery store. Hey guys, this is why, you know, or just everyday life. How yeah. would you encourage them in walking in the the fullness and security of their identity, regardless of what their external circumstances show? I would say at first, it's okay to go through seasons where mm-hmm. you're like, I don't want to talk to anyone about this. And that's normal. I have gone through that where, you know, the pain started getting worse. I'm like, oh, I don't want those close to me to know. But I think it's important is having a few close either friends or family members just to talk about it. Because if you keep it all inside, that's really hard. And that's not good to go through that all by yourself. But when it comes to sharing with other people, I would just say if you feel led to say something about why, maybe why you're in a wheelchair maybe why it's harder for you to walk. It's it's okay not to share everything. Just just share what you feel God's leading you to share. So maybe praying about it first, mm-hmm. you know, maybe saying something really short about it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I have this. Or I just struggle sometimes with walking or things like that. But being okay with just having boundaries of not talking about it for, you know, not mentioning everything, but just yeah, a little bit. Good. Okay, before we wrap up, it's crazy how fast these go, right? I want to know, is there a victory or a moment or a verse or something like that that you've experienced on your journey that you would want to share with us today? One of the verses that has been really speaking to me these past few years and it's it's really helped me a lot with going through struggles with pain Mm -hmm. is from 1 Peter 5.10. It says, and the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Hmm. I really like the part of the verse that says restore. Yeah. So for me, I, I think it's like taking all that pain, but using it in a way that brings him glory, but also brings a new purpose. And for me, at least, I've seen that from four years ago, being 18 and struggling with the realization that I have a CMT and I have something that will get worse to now being like, yeah, it's continuing to get worse, but I'm seeing God use it. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing him open those doors and having those conversations. I never would have pictured myself having with people in my classes or just anyone that I meet. For me, it's it's made it all worth it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you are the living, walking testimony of what you're saying of all these people having these thoughts. You are the person saying, look, I have that. And I'm not saying I don't struggle. I think you've shared a lot of your struggles in this talk, but 
at the same time, it's worth it and God is worth it. And you're still, he's given you, I guess, new purposes or a different perspective on your same purpose in life. And it's hard, yeah. but it's good and he's worth it. That's what I hear you saying. Maybe it's different than what you thought, but still worth it. It is. Never would have pictured any of this. For me, it's made it worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for being a light to us today. Is there anything that you would want to share that we didn't get to or something on your heart that we didn't cover? The first part of the journey is after being diagnosed. And for me, I really would have been encouraged if there was someone I knew that helped me through that first few months. Yeah. But I just wanted to just speak a word of encouragement that it's hard and it's okay to be grieving with that. Mm-hmm. That's perfectly normal and you don't have to act like everything's okay when it's not. But finding the community, that is something that's really helpful. Finding those that understand and can go alongside of you. Even if they're halfway through other part of the world, can go alongside of you through, through that journey, through those first few months or first few years of those struggles with you know, chronic pain. Yeah, super good. I could not agree more. That's what the church is meant to be. Yeah. And we're not meant to be just local either. So mm-hmm. how can people connect with you, Katerina? Is, I know you have a blog. How can people connect? Yeah, my blog is, you can find me at beautyinthepainblog.com. You can reach out to me there and also my Instagram page, which is beauty in the pain blog. Awesome. So that makes it easy. I just go by Katarina. And so you're welcome to message me there. Wonderful. Well, thank you for doing this today, Katarina. I will link those and make sure people have them. And thanks. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your story and thanks for being a light. Thank you. If you want to connect with Katerina, I've linked her blog in the show notes. And if you want to personally message her or connect with her, I have also put her Instagram there. Thank you again to Katerina for coming on the show. And if you guys want to connect with other chronic pain warriors like Katerina, head over to our website, thehealministry.com. You can join the free heal community where you'll find other people you can relate to who are going through similar journeys. And we're posting devotionals and other encouragement there. Also, if you're listening to this, we would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and you can also write a review or rate this podcast wherever you're listening to it. That means a lot to us and it helps other people find us as well. I hope that each episode you listen to brings you one step further into the freedom that Christ died to give you. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.